religious leaders. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. In Jesus' name. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, We come before you um, reading your word, and we expect, Lord, we come expectantly, waiting for your spirit to work here through your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and honored in all that we do. Amen. I think we can all imagine that sometimes siblings don't get along, some of you probably from experience. If one of them does something that the other one doesn't like, it's pretty normal for there to be fighting, yelling, throwing, you name it. Now let's imagine that there was a little boy who was supposed to be getting ready for bed, brushing his teeth, getting pajamas on, those sorts of things. But he decided that he wanted to play instead. Well, mom and dad send maybe an older sibling downstairs to remind that little boy that it's time to get ready for bed. Perhaps, like is normal for siblings, there might be a brief back and forth, and the older sibling might say something like, it's time to get ready for bed. How do you think that little boy might respond? Do you think he'd willingly listen to his older brother? No, if that little boy was anything like I was as a little boy, he probably would have yelled at his older sibling something like, you're not the boss of me. You're not mom or dad. Even the youngest children know that there are some people who get to make the decisions. People who get to give the instructions. There are some people who are in charge And well, from that perspective of that little boy, his older sibling was not one of those people. Mom and dad were in charge, not an older brother or sister. Mom and dad are the authority. Today in our text, we'll take a look at the idea of authority, and specifically authority when it it comes to matters of the faith. Who is in charge? Who gets to make the decisions? And the question that this passage of Scripture answers for us today is this— Who has ultimate authority? Who has ultimate authority? First, we see in this text that Jesus answers with authority. If you take a look at verse 34, we catch a hint that we weren't starting at the beginning of this part of Jesus' story. In verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. To me, when I read this, it piqued my interest, and I was wondering, what was this encounter with the Sadducees like? 
So to get a, a brief, a better understanding of our text, I want to go back a little bit just to peek at what comes before our text. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 21, we see Jesus and his disciples on their way to Jerusalem. They stop at a village outside of Jerusalem where Jesus enters, this might sound familiar, riding on a donkey. This is Matthew's Palm Sunday account. The crowds shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Remember that title, the son of David. Chapter 21 at verse 12, starting at verse 12, we see Jesus bumping up against those who are selling and buying in the temple and Jesus overturning the tables. In verse 14, we see Jesus performs miracles. He heals the blind and the lame. We hear the children shout, Hosanna, the son of David. And the chief priests and scribes see what he did. They hear the people praising Jesus, and they question Jesus directly. Verse 23, Jesus is back at the temple. The leaders and the elders at the temple come to Jesus and ask this question, by what authority are you doing these things? Later along the way, we read that the Pharisees are getting more and more frustrated with Jesus, so much so that towards the end of chapter 21, in verse 46, it says, and although they, the religious leaders, were seeking to arrest him. Things were escalating so much that they wanted to arrest Jesus. In verse 15, Jesus teaches about paying taxes to Caesar. This is chapter 22, uh, about paying taxes to Caesar. And, and those who heard him, they, it says they marveled and went away at what Jesus said. Verse 23, the Sadducees come and ask Jesus about the resurrection. After teaching them, the Bible says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And then we get to our text for today. Starting in verse 34 and 35, we read that the Pharisees come back for round two, if you will. Round two with Jesus. And they say this, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This whole account of Jesus interacting with the various religious leaders of the day centers around authority. Who is in charge here? For the Jews, the answer to this was the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these leaders that we just read about Jesus interacting with. And so now this guy, this Jesus, comes onto the scene and starts doing things and saying things that threaten to turn things on their head. He challenges the status quo. The routines and the normal way of spiritual life that the Jewish leaders have created. I remember one Sunday when I was a young child uh, that there was a Sunday where some visitors came to church. Um, and normally we love that, right? We love having visitors come. But the, the thing that was an issue here is what they sat in our pew. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but, um, you know, as a young child, I thought there's lots of empty pews. Why'd they take our pew? What's going on here? Um, but we were so grateful they were there, but the whole morning just felt off. We had that routine, that normal way that we had done all of these things. And when we get off from our normal routines, things don't feel right. That's kind of like what Jesus did here. Through his miracles and teaching, he threw off the way things worked in the temple. And the Pharisees that came back to Jesus to test him were not okay with this. 
Take a look at our text again. In verse 36, we see the question that the Pharisee lawyer comes up with to try to test Jesus. He says, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And continuing on into verse 37, we read Jesus' reply. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus brings their attention back to the Decalogue, or what we call the Ten Commandments. Luther's small catechism is a great little tool for Christians. It's like a uh, simple yet profound summary of what it is that we believe about God, about ourselves, about how salvation is won for us, how God delivers that salvation to us, and about how we ought to live our lives in a way pleasing to the Lord. The small catechism records the Ten Commandments from Scripture and also gives us a short, a brief explanation for each of the commandments to help us apply it in our everyday lives. It doesn't just give us the things that we're not supposed to do, but also provides practical, tangible steps for what we can do. How do we keep these commandments as well? Uh, for example, commandments one through three instruct us on how we live our vertical lives to, uh, to God. How do we love him? How do we love the Lord? Uh, commandment one speaks on worshiping the Lord. How do we worship him? Commandment two talks about how we should praise his name alone. And number three talks about how we ought to prioritize time to come and to gather together, remember the Sabbath, and worship. Jesus summarized those three commandments in our text for us, and he says in verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He groups those three commandments together. And in verse 38, he calls them the great and first commandment. Love the Lord your God. Commandments 4 through 10 instruct us on how we live our horizontal lives in relationship to other people. How do we obey our parents? We should not steal or murder or commit adultery. We shouldn't bear false witness or covet. And in verse 39 from our text, Jesus summarized these last seven commandments as the second commandment, and he says that they show us how to love your neighbor as yourself. This answer that Jesus gave to this lawyer's question was an answer that he gave from his authority. He created those commandments. He had authority over them. This question that they asked to test him was not too great of a question to trip up Jesus. Jesus here has been proving over and over the past few days with his interactions with the religious leaders that he has the authority to perform miracles, to heal the afflicted, and now he is showing and demonstrating that he has authority to teach, to know what is right and to true. If you go back one chapter uh, to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 23. We even see the chief priests and the elders asking specifically about this. Their question that they asked was, by what authority are you doing these things? And as an answer, Jesus continued to speak and act in ways that only one who is God could speak and act. He told the parables. He healed the blind and the lame. And here now in our passage, it's no different. When they asked Jesus a question specifically, 
to test him and to cause to trip him up to cause him to stumble Jesus continues to prove that he indeed is here with all authority by answering their questions by standing up to the test Jesus answers the religious religious leaders with authority Jesus didn't just answer these questions with authority. He goes on to ask a question with authority, too. We take a look at our passage again, starting at verse 42. Verse 42. Saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. Jesus said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? The Pharisees weren't able to reply. They didn't have an answer for Jesus' question. He asked, but they could not answer. And here he demonstrates again his authority. First, it was in his answers to their questions, but this time it was in the questions that he would ask that Jesus demonstrates his authority. He demonstrates a mastery and an understanding of the scriptures that is greater than the religious leaders, that is greater than the Pharisees that he asks. We see his asking and his answering, and both of these are ways that Jesus is showing the religious leaders of that day and that he is showing you and me today that third, Jesus is the authority. While the Pharisees weren't able to see clearly, or perhaps more precisely, who was right in front of their eyes. God is showing us today what this authority reveals to us about Jesus. Jesus, true God, is the authority, and he is your authority. As the Pharisees asked about the greatest commandment of the law, Jesus put forth the standard. We talked about these already, right? The Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Reading through this passage, it was really easy for me to see the Pharisees and how they talked and acted with Jesus and to think judgmentally toward them, to judge them, and to think, why are you so blind? Why are your, your hearts so hard? Jesus is right there, the Messiah. He's standing before your eyes. But just like that little boy in our story at the beginning who was supposed to be getting ready for bed, he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be his own boss. He wanted to exercise his own authority. And those Pharisees were like that boy. They didn't want Jesus to come and upset and overshadow the authority and power they enjoyed in their culture and in their communities. It's easy for us to look at them and see their sin and to question them. But I'm no better. And you are no better either. You seek to push Jesus away, just like the Pharisees. When he comes up against your life and your autonomy, you don't want another authority over you. You already have one. You live your life, content to set your own course and blaze your own path. You love yourself the most, your plans, and your way. Additionally, just like the Pharisees, we often make up our own rules to follow, and then we pat ourselves on the back when we keep them. Thinking that through these laws and rules, we can claim authority over our own lives, and in sin, we push off, we reject this Jesus who is right in front of us. We set up ourselves as idols, and we worship the God of self. 
But Jesus does not leave us there. He doesn't leave us in the law and in our own idolatry, however great it may be. Jesus answered and asked with authority to demonstrate that he is the authority. And now fourth, we see that Jesus is the authority even over your sin. When Jesus asked the Pharisees in verse 42 about the Christ, whose son is he? The Pharisees' answers was intriguing to me. If we take a look at verse 42, we see their answer. And they said, the son of David. Now, this wasn't the first time that Matthew records this title being used. If you remember when we kind of took a, a stroll through the, best, the past couple chapters, this title for Jesus was used multiple times. It was used as a title when he came into the village riding on that donkey. He is the son of David. And when he came into the temple and performed the miracles, he was called the son of David. Jesus' question here to the Pharisees was not a coincidence. We are to draw our attention to David, the author of Psalm 110, the psalm that Jesus is quoting here in our text. And to David, the one that this title for Jesus, the son of David, is referring back to. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we read about this David and see a promise that God makes to him. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse 12, it says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will rise up your offspring after you, who shall come for your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. My steadfast love will not depart from him. We see in this promise Perhaps David's son, Solomon, he would, after all, build a magnificent temple in Jerusalem. But we should not miss that this passage refers to a kingdom that is greater than the temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem. And this passage is referencing someone who is greater than Solomon ever could be. It's Jesus. Jesus fulfills this promise this promise that God made to David. Jesus was the offspring of David that would bring an everlasting kingdom. And Jesus is the one who would bear the steadfast love of God to you and to me. Jesus is the one who would complete the work that was set before him by going and by dying on the cross. The act of killing Jesus on a cross, what these religious leaders hoped would get Jesus out of their way, was the very act that God used to forgive their sin and to forgive your sin. Jesus proved his authority over and over again. In the questions that he asked and answered, he just demonstrated his authority, and his authority extends to us today as he forgives our sins. The Pharisees, they wouldn't see that this teacher who healed and taught with authority was the son of David, the one who would come to save them. They rejected him. What about you? Will you be like that little boy at bedtime, rebelling and pushing off against the authority in his life? Or will you see the Jesus for who he really is? As Jesus is here before you today, with all his authority, even to forgive your sin, believe that when he died on the cross, your sins were washed away. And believe that living your life 
is done best his way. Who has ultimate authority? Jesus. Jesus does. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and that your word is truth, every single word of it. I pray that you would continue on with the rest of our service and as we leave, as we go and live our lives this next week, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen.